Amen. Amen. You can grab a seat. Oh, yeah. I believe in life eternal. It's good stuff. Hey, my name is David. I love being one of the pastors around here. Um, and uh, man, I, I just love our, uh, love our family. Uh, we had a friend out last week, Will, uh, came and joined us, and, and he just spoke so highly of, uh, of just uh, you guys coming around and, and uh, engaging him in conversation, and just he felt so valued and appreciated. So thank you for extending the love that I know exists in this community to a friend of mine, Uncle Will, to my kids. Um, we sure miss him a ton. Uh, and uh, coming up soon, uh, I'm excited about a, uh, a collaborative connection point from our men's and women's ministry, working together to provide a meaningful night of February fun. And so I hope uh, if you're looking for something to do in a few weeks to, to battle the winter, I love the quote that Will gave us last week. He said, two, two degrees, that's just illegal, right? I mean, that's just an illegal temperature, uh, but an opportunity to connect. Uh, there's childcare provided and a night for either friends to connect or spouses to connect and uh, just have a fun time together. And so, uh, and again, if you're new around here, there's a connect card in the uh, seat pocket in front of you, not in the overhead bin. We'd love you to fill that out. And uh, ideally, if you're newer here, just like you heard me say about my friend Will, we, we don't want something from you, we want something for you. And that is continuing to experience life with Jesus. And so, we are in James Part two, when I love, faith works when I love. And, and I think this, what we're entering into, is one of the most theologically complicated ideas um, in James. And, uh, and so we're going to wrestle through it together. But, but here's, here's what Ryan shared with us a few weeks ago. He talked about blind spots. And he talked about how we're, we're often not aware of our blind spots, hence why they are Blind spots. But here's, here's what I've noticed about blind spots. We prefer blind spots to brutal facts. We prefer to live with our blind spots rather than to experience brutal facts. Uh, yeah, every once in a while, you know, if I have broccoli in my teeth, uh, you know, we appreciate when someone calls us out about, hey, you have your broccoli in your teeth, oh, your fly's down, right? We, we appreciate that, but but to have someone call us out and say, you know, you're just an angry person. <laughs> you know, you just feel apathetic when it comes to things in life. You, you know, you're, you're greedy when it comes to the things that you accumulate and where you spend your time and energy and thinking about. We just prefer blind spots rather than brutal facts. James today, getting to a heart of his, of his text, faith without works is dead. That if we're not seeing fruit come from our life, James, I love, he's a pastor right in the churches, he's concerned. He's, he's thinking of people and he's saying, I'm concerned for your faith. And he's saying faith without works is dead. So here's where we're headed this morning. And it's not an issue that is just lost on us. There was another guy who existed who also wrestled with this tension. His name was Martin Luther. Here's what he said about the epistle of James. Therefore, St. James's epistle is really an epistle of straw compared to these others, for it has nothing of the nature of the gospel about it. 
James just keeps telling us to work, work, work. Where's the gospel? Martin Luther said this, we should throw out the epistle of James out of this school for it doesn't amount to much. It contains not a syllable about Christ. Not once does it mention Christ except at the beginning. Beginning in chapter one, beginning in chapter two. This is the only two times James mentions the name of Jesus. I maintain that some Jew wrote it who probably heard about Christian people but never encountered any since he heard that Christians place great weight on faith in Christ. He thought, wait a moment, I'll oppose them and urge works alone. This he did. And so we're asking the question in this text, we're dividing it into two weeks. Fred will pick it up next week. I I thought we were about faith alone. And James is now saying works Works saves us? How, how, do we, how do we fit those together? Is it faith alone or is faith without works dead? How do we square that? And I hope as we unpack it today, we're going to get a little more clarity of what it means that we believe in faith alone that actually is deeply connected to the work we do. So here is the text for the morning. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, let me pray for you, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. We're going to pack our time in verse 14 to 17, and then I'm going to read 18 to 26 that we'll cover next week. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works? Was he justified by works? When he offered up his son Isaac on the altar, you see that faith was active along with his works and that faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Come again, James? Martin Luther's asking, and we should be asking. You see the person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Here's what I think James is going to do for us this morning. he's, He's asking us to evaluate our lives, to evaluate our faith. He's concerned for our eternity. And so James writes this letter in order to help us accurately appraise our faith. His passion, my passion, is to help us experience genuine, authentic faith so that we might truly find life with Jesus. So, I look forward to digging in together in James 2, 14 to 17 as we ask, what is this thing called faith and how does it connect to our works? Pray with me. Oh God, you're so good as as we wrestle with this complex theological idea. Meet us here, help us see James' heart and see how it directly correlates to our Monday to Saturday and all that we do and say and think in our lives as a reflection of our faith in you. Thank you, Jesus, for your glory we pray. Amen. Amen. So here's a map of where we're headed this morning. Just two ideas that help us talk about appraising our faith. We can have the correct understanding of the gospel and still not have authentic faith. And our authentic faith possessed will inevitably get expressed. 
Here's where James is going to start. We have, we can have the correct understanding of the gospel and still not have authentic faith. That should be a sobering idea when we read those words. That should be a sobering idea. Here's what James says. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? What kind of faith is James talking about there? Then he gives an example. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one says to them, go in peace, be warm, be filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Can someone have faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So we're going, I thought it was about faith alone. Blood of Jesus, right? I mean, that's it, right? Faith alone James, what are you talking about? And so here's what struck me this week. If we think we trust Jesus, but there are no signs of spiritual life, no matter how much we understand, we really don't trust him. If there are no signs of spiritual life, no matter how much we intellectually understand, we really don't trust him. And so here's where James has been. He's been talking about head and heart about the intellectual, theological ideas, and then he's been telling us about works and how it gets lived out, and we said there's this beautiful crossover in verse 26 and 27 where there's hearers and doers of the word. That is genuine faith. That is authentic faith where a deep understanding connects with a deep experience, and he's been walking this through in his letter, and he's been showing us faith without works is what? No faith, yeah. If, if, if there's no expression of spiritual fruit in your life, we, we can identify it and I go, that's not faith. But then as evangelicals, what's our tendency when we hear that? Well, well then I gotta do works. Well, I have to produce something, I have to do something. So we start making it faith plus works. Which James would say what? Man, that's false faith. Though on the surface, it appears to be real. It appears to be genuine because you see behaviors. What's actually producing those works? Is it coming from, from obligation? Is it coming from a sense of I have to? Is it coming from a sense of earning my standing before God? Again, what got you on God's softball team? Was it anything you did? Instead, James has been hitting us with this idea. It is about faith and faith alone. There's nothing you can do that earns your standing before God, but God is not opposed to effort. Faith inevitably leads to works. And so it is in verse 26 and 27, he talked about those three big ideas of expressions of work. And his whole letter, he's been talking about these works. Faith and faith alone, blood of Jesus, and it inevitably has to get expressed in your life. And so authentic faith possessed will inevitably get expressed. Jeff Rao, ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Rao. (laughs) Send him and give the man a hand, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Our authentic faith possessed will inevitably get expressed. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? And he's been building to this point in the letter. He started with a faith test. 
He started with a faith test in the very beginning of his letter. He says this, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And so he's saying, when your faith gets tested, we talked about that gap, right? From our actual state to our desired state. What is that gap? We've defined it as suffering. That when we experience trials of various kinds, when we're experiencing suffering, why would I have joy in the midst of that gap? Man, I have cancer. I'd prefer not to have cancer. How could I have joy in the midst of that diagnosis? Man, I just lost my job. I'd prefer to have a job. How can I have joy in the midst of that process? Because I know I can count it all joy. Jesus is actively at work in my life. And so I can actually count it all joy. And then he moves and says, so be hearers and doers, not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word, not hearers only. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, it's as if you looked in the mirror, saw something, and then walked away unchanged. He continues to build faith inevitably leads to works. And he hit us over three weeks in chapter 2, verse 1 to 13, of just this weighty idea of not judging as if you're judging from God's perspective. Show no partiality. If you really fulfill the royal law, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. But if you show partiality, this work of no partiality ought to flow from your faith. That's a work that ought to flow from our faith. And then, I mean, if we've been hearing this letter, he's just been hitting us. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. Receive the implanted word. He's, he's showing us all the works that ought to flow from our faith. And today, he's just given us one more expression of that. He says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace. Will told us last week that we're kingdom citizens. Through faith, we're kingdom citizens. And so as citizens of the kingdom, we see empire issues that have kingdom implications. That that we live in this world and there's daily issues. Because is is going hungry an issue of heaven? You're going to be hungry in heaven? As a citizen of heaven, what does hunger have to do with our citizenship? And yet we see empire issues. We see the issues of this world And we see that they have kingdom implications. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed, and be filled, let me pray for you without giving them the things they needed for the body, what good is that? What good is it to come up to someone and say, let me pray for you? And you guys know we love prayer around here, right? We believe prayer is the work. And yet if you encounter this situation, where might you have been already in this process? You've been praying. You've been watching. And now if you see someone, this is a moment to step. That we actually want to step into these moments and situations we encounter all the time. That we've been praying, we've been watching, and now we step. And if it stops there, is that enough though? I hope at Hillcrest we are seeing needs all around us. But if it stops there, did Jesus stop there? He said to the woman at the well, I want to give you living water. I want to give you water so that your soul will never thirst again, right? We actually believe there's a spiritual need that needs to be fulfilled. 
But we look at that and James keeps hitting us. Faith inevitably leads to works. So how? How might that look? And so I want to go back to you shall love your neighbor as yourself. To just unpack a little bit more of what James has when he's thinking faith inevitably leads to works. And it's this progression. That being loved by God leads to loving God, leads to loving self, leads to loving others. I was in the Firefly just recently, and I was talking to, what, uh, is it MATC? Is that the name? Uh, University? College? Madison Tech College? Talking about a psych class. And, uh, and I was interacting with uh, this guy over at the Firefly, and he, he was saying, man, I just, uh, I have this issue with a lot of my students. That they just, they just are having a hard time loving themselves. <laughs> that, that they're lacking a sense of identity. You ever thought about that, David? I said, huh, yeah, that's a great question. I might have spent a little time thinking about it. This loving self. Where does a healthy view of loving self come from? So I want to spend a little time as we connect faith leading to works, stemming directly from an expression of healthy loving self versus an expression of unhealthy loving self. That James has been telling us faith inevitably leads to works. How? How does that actually work? Here's what I think he's been pointing us to when he talks about this correlation between faith and works. That an expression of healthily loving self, loving ourselves is healthily rooted, grounded, founded in our experience of the infinite love God has for us. That a healthy loving of self is grounded in the infinite love God has for us. What have we received from God? Forgiveness, security, significance, purpose. That when we begin to truly understand what we've received, we can't help but live it out. When we see the forgiveness and the weight of what has transpired in our life, man, or do we think, man, I'm, I'm a fairly good person. I pay my taxes. I get some good things going. I, I'm a fairly good individual. Or do we see the depth of need? Forgiveness, security, significance. And, and what does that inevitably produce? When we feel the weight of what God has done, and what it means to be loved by God, where does that take you? It leads to this deep affection for him. You know, when Casey goes out of town, I get a much clearer picture of all the things she does around the house that I just take for granted. So when she goes away, I get a much clearer picture of all the things that, that she just has done. What does that lead to? I'm like, babe, when are you getting home? That's, no, it leads to just a deeper affection for all that she does for our family. What, what, do we, what do we experience when we hear being loved by God? It ought to lead to this deep affection for him. We begin thinking about him more. What, what do you spend your waking hours and time thinking about? Are, are you thinking about, man, how am I going to make that next promotion? It's not illegitimate. How much time and energy is, is woven into, man, what, where, what are we going to do to get that getaway cabin in the Northwoods? How, 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 much, how much energy is spent on these other factors? Are we thinking about him? 
Are we pursuing a deeper relationship with him? And if that is the case, how might it get expressed? I'm going to argue for a few ways that faith gets expressed in the way we live in our Monday to Saturday, in our everyday world that James is saying, if you have faith, it inevitably gets expressed. We start thinking extensively about others. What, what is occupying your waking minds? Are you, are you thinking about the needs of others all around you? Do you begin asking questions of others? Do, do you take a genuine interest in their life? Are you asking questions of others? Do you happily use resources for others, time, treasure, talent, to initiate relationships with others. We were, uh, we were at a bowling little birthday party last night, and, uh, and, and I'm talking, talking to a guy, and, and I don't know if this is a benefit or a liability. You know, we're talking and just hearing his story, and then he inevitably, inevitably gets around to, so what, what do you do, David? What, what, what do you do for a profession? I'm like, well, I'm a pastor, and I don't know if I should take this positively or negatively. He goes, oh, David, I would have never guessed. I would have never guessed that. I, I think that's a compliment. I think but the way we spend our time, our resources, our talent to initiate conversation and relationship with others. Yeah, but did, do you know how much that pork roast is going to cost me? Do, do you understand how much that pizza is going to cost and, and the effort? It's just not my personality, David. I'm taking the Myers-Briggs. It's just not my disposition. How does faith inevitably lead to works? And we almost never are offended and we accept criticism well. Faith leading to works. How do you usually receive criticism? Do we want our blind spots exposed to demonstrate the authenticity of our faith? And forgiving others becomes easy. The more we realize the depth of the forgiveness and magnitude of what's taking place in our life, faith inevitably leads to works. And our identity is grounded in being loved by God. And then we are committed to helping others experience God's love and identity in God's love. Faith inevitably gets expressed in fruit. So what might an unhealthy expression of loving self look like? For that conversation I had at the Firefly, what would it look like if that's not taking place, if faith isn't genuinely getting expressed in your life, it means you're not being loved by God and you're not loving God. Where are you looking for security and identity? Because you're not finding significance and security in God's love, I think it inevitably leads to pursuing significance and security from other people. I think it's why people have sex before marriage because they're looking for someone to fulfill a need. Money, sex, or power. Uh, it's why we start getting consumed with the next promotion or, or accumulating more resources. Because apart from God, if my identity's not in God, where am I looking for significance and security? And I just think one of three primary areas, money, sex, or power. An expression of unhealthily loving self then gets expressed in the way we interact with others. It, if this faith is happening in our life, it gets expressed. Likewise, James is asking us, he's saying, do you know your blind spots? 
Do you see the areas in your life where you're still trying to do this thing apart from God? What would it look like then to interact with those around us? You know, we think predominantly about self and talk predominantly about ourselves. What we're doing, what we're about. And we probably ask very little questions of others. If faith is leading to works, James is trying to help us see what does it mean to love our neighbor as ourselves, to see our faith played out in our interactions. We probably ask very little about others. And we use our resources for self, our time, our treasure, our talents, and self-promote or potentially withdraw. James is saying, what's going on in your life? And we easily take offense and we don't accept criticism well. And, oh, man, I was convicted of this one recently, right? Do we hold grudges? Who's that really hurting when I hang on to issues in life? Who's that hurting? Or, oh, when I hit someone, when someone criticizes, are we quick to return and get defensive? And then identity is determined by other people. And then I'm committed to finding security from those other people. And I'm going to do whatever I can to help find validity, either on my social media platform or in my vocation. I begin looking for this affirmation. James is saying faith inevitably will lead to works. Here's what he told us, right? What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, you've been praying, you've been watching, this is the moment to step, and you say, ah, go in peace, be warmed, I'll pray for you and be filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that rhetorical question implied? It's nothing. So faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So, so here's where I want to leave us today in anticipation of Fred landing the plane in this section. Well, what do we do with this? And then now that I maybe beat you up enough, how, how about we just bring you back to the surface? If faith is possessed, here's our deepest conviction. We can sit in the reality of being righteous before God, right? It is done. It is done. It is covered. I'm no longer earning my standing before God. Instead, I can sit and bask and soak in the reality that I am saved by grace. I'm a sinner that has been reconciled to the Father apart from anything I've done. I can sit in that reality. And I can celebrate, praise, worship. I can thank God for his most gracious gift of his grace. I can just embrace that reality. And if you treasure Jesus... Don't second guess your standing with him. If you treasure Jesus above anything else this life has to offer, if he sits on the throne of your heart, don't second guess that. Because as evangelicals, there's this emotion that starts to well up in our heart. What is it? Guilt. Ugh. I did, did I do enough? Did I earn it? Did I try? I need to try harder and do more. Instead, if we treasure Jesus, we don't second guess. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And so we don't second guess our standing with him. We believe it is done. That God has accomplished the biggest thing in our lives. And so now we trust him with those everyday challenges, Monday to Saturday. And if you're doing anything, attempting to earn God's grace. There was a video uh, that came out, and, and uh, 
it's the guy from, the, I think, the Odd Couple or Bob Newhart. Bob Newhart, and he's sitting in a psychology office, so this was ringing in my ears this week. He, he, he gets paid to give some advice, and he just says, I got two words for you. Stop it, right? Stop it. So, so if you're doing anything attempting to earn God's grace, man, we, we just embrace the reality that he has paid it all and all to him I owe. And so, the warning is also there. Faith not expressed is not possessed. So there's a warning for us to assess our faith, but I'm always half glass full. I go, this is exciting times. We get to go live out our faith. Your vocation matters. What you do every single week as moms in the homes, in your workplace, you are preaching a sermon, a better sermon with your lives in your Monday to Saturday every single day. People are watching the sermon of your life. It's exciting times. You get to live out your faith every single day. Faith gets expressed. And so, ask God. God, what are you inviting me into this week? And for you math majors, I stumbled upon this equation from a book, I think it's called Joining God, Joining Jesus in His Mission by a guy named Dr. Fink. So all you math majors will love this. You know, I try, I try equal opportunists. I talk about sports a lot. So for you math guys, if you throw in an equation every once in a while, God, what are you inviting me into? We heard Megan say earlier in the video, just this unhurried time unhurried time that we actually sit long enough to observe what God is doing around us to be able to see those moments and it usually involves proximity (laughs) unhurried time plus proximity to other individuals that you're interacting with usually involving some kind of activity most often with food (laughs) I love enchilada casserole as of late. That's been a a wonderful dish in our home. Unhurried time plus proximity plus activity equals what? Conversation. Conversations. And what happens when those conversations are multiplied over time? Man, there is friendship and there is loving your neighbor that starts to emerge with the hopes that people will find life with Jesus. So if faith is possessed, sit in that hope. God, you have done the work. And now, inevitably, works get expressed in our lives. God, what are you inviting me into today? With our unhurried time, with the people in our sphere of influence, with intentional activity that produces ongoing conversation that ultimately leads I think the people finding life with Jesus in and through your faith being expressed. Pray with me. Oh God, you're so good. Thank you for who you are, your work that you have done. If we're feeling a sense of overwhelming guilt, alleviate, strip that from our minds and help us feel the way it is faith and faith alone and help us increasingly express the work you are doing through us. Help us express this work that we have been created for as we point people to life in your name. Thank you, Jesus. Always for your glory, we pray. Amen.